Ah, praise God, praise God. Well, what I want to talk to you about today is a little bit of a follow-on from last week. Last week we talked about walking across a room and how we can have some amazing impact. Whoever we are, we can have an amazing impact just uh, with the people we meet. And what I want to talk to you today is a similar thing but a different approach. It's really talking about us stepping into God's space. I'll explain what God's space is. But it's the fact that I love the way in worship, that, that whole word about the, uh, the ply, all being different. Listen, I want you to know that whoever you are, however you are wired, whatever your likes, dislikes, whatever your personality is like, God loves to use you to impact and to reach other people with his love. All you need to do is receive his love, then you have got real treasure to give other people. And so uh, this, is, this message is for you. And what I want to talk about is stepping into God's space. You see, one thing that you recognise about Jesus, when you read stories about Jesus, is that, he, that wherever he went, people encountered God in a way that probably really surprised them. So when he came across people who were mixed up in the wrong sort of stuff, the wrong crowd, when Jesus met with them, they suddenly found, rather than a, a judgmental God, they found a God who loves. They found a God who was uh, willing to forgive. They found a God who had arms wide open to receive them. It surprised them. When people uh, were spiritually hungry, you know when uh, you meet people, maybe you're here today, that you know inside, you know there's something more to life that you're not yet tasting. When people had that sort of hunger inside, or that thirst, that spiritual hunger, when they encounter Jesus, suddenly they find thirst is quenched. Suddenly find that hunger deep inside, they are, I've found the answer. It's like Jesus was intentionally looking for ways that he could get ordinary folks to experience the God of love. Whether people were sick, whether they were broken, whether they felt lost and just lost their direction in life, they met Jesus, and when they met Jesus, suddenly they found there was new direction. Suddenly they found the brokenness inside was healed. They found that their broken bodies were physically healed. Jesus came to them, and when they touched Jesus, they touched God's love. That's what I love about Jesus. It's like he was constantly on the lookout. It's like he was constantly looking for, how can I bring God to ordinary people? How can I do that? How can I affect their lives? It's like he was deliberately looking for God's space or God opportunities throughout his life. And that's what I want to talk about, is how we can step into God opportunities. What is God's space? What I'm calling God's space I'm pinching the title actually from a guy called Doug Pollard, who I heard about five or six years ago in Lower Hut speak. He's got a book out called Activating God's Space, I think it's called. So I'm pinching the title from him. But when we talk about God's space, we're talking about space where people can encounter God in everyday life in ways that profoundly affect their life. Tangible ways that people know I've met with God. We're talking about where God can be brought up into conversation naturally. It just flows that way. It doesn't go weird and awkward. But God comes in and suddenly people know they've met with or experienced something of the love of God. It's where people feel 
They can be themselves. They're accepted for who they are and where they're at. And they can come and they can ask questions. They can come with the baggage and they just know that what they'll find is love and acceptance and a willingness to hear and they won't be judged. This is what we're talking about when we talk about God's space and us stepping into God's space where people can raise questions and doubts and they can, at their own pace, be on the journey and take steps towards Jesus and take steps towards the God who loves them. Tom O'Connor, we talked about the gateway. You know, we talked about it's uh, you know, going out, it's coming in. It's inviting people in. Why? Because we want to give people an opportunity to experience God's space. We want people to come among us and find the love of God. To find the Jesus who died for them, who would forgive them. We want to go out through this. Tom O'Connor, we want to go out and share that love. And we want, through the various activities that we do, to look for space to look for ways to connect with people. Now whether we're serving in the market or community fed or the other activities we're doing, we're looking to see how can we share and communicate God's love with people. That's what we're about. So what I want to talk through today is four ways that we can step into God's space. And I'm going to use Jesus as the pattern because he is just absolute master of creating God's space, where people encounter the love of God. So different ways that we can step into God's space. The questions I guess we're asking is, well, how do I, ordinary me, how do I create God's space? Or how do I step into it? How do you recognise it when it happens? How can my life affect someone else and bring them to a place where they encounter God in a way that is natural. The first thing I want to talk about is noticing your way into God's space. Noticing your way into God's space. Jesus was master at this. It says in uh, Matthew uh, 9, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them uh, because they were harassed and helpless. And he saw them as like sheep without a shepherd. And he cared for them. And he did something about it. It's like when Jesus saw the crowd, when he noticed the crowd, when he observed where the crowd were at, he ministered to their need. Jesus noticed them. He noticed people. It's almost like he couldn't go places without noticing people because he valued people. And he saw the great value that they had in God's heart. So take, for instance, John 4, the woman at the well. What happened in that encounter? Well, the story goes that the disciples were on their way to get lunch from the village. And at the same time, coming up from the village was a woman going to the well to draw water. The disciples didn't notice the woman. They walked past her. Didn't notice. But Jesus is waiting by the well. And as the woman approaches, he notices her. He fixes his eyes on her. He notices her. He notices something about her. He starts to engage in conversation. He listens to her story. He shares various things with her. And what becomes apparent through this conversation that Jesus has with this woman is that she is <coughs> desperate for something more in life. He senses that she is spiritually hungry and thirsty. She's come to fill her jug of water and take it back to the village. So Jesus says, well, actually, if you knew 
that really gets your real thirst, not just a physical thirst. And the woman's like, this is amazing. How is Jesus alive? And then she says, well, I, that's true. What you're talking into my life, is, that's really where I'm at. I really wish I knew, I really wish I had a sort of a, my spiritual thirst quenched. I wish I knew God. Show me, what, where do I get this living water? And Jesus said, actually, you're talking to the one who can give you this water. And what you find is suddenly God's face is created because Jesus noticed the woman. He didn't just walk past her. I love the way that um, Zacchaeus, where's that? That's Luke 19. Zacchaeus, hiding in a tree. That tax collector who everybody hates. People don't like him at all. He's a bit of a swindler. He's probably robbed most people in the crowd by taking too much tax. Uh, he's not a light person. People judge him, they reject him, they push him away. So in order for him to see Jesus, he has to climb a tree and hide from the crowd. The crowd don't see him. The crowd don't want to see him. Jesus walks by and stops by that tree and notices the his. He calls him by name. He engages with him. He talks to him. He has time for him. And he honours him in the sense that he says, Zacchaeus, can I come round your place and can we share a meal together? Now you may think, whoa, that's stepping the boundaries. In that culture, that wasn't stepping the boundaries. That was showing you to live somewhere, to be able to go to their home, to invite yourself to their home. Jesus noticed Zacchaeus. And what happens at the end of the story, this swindling, cheating, lying, thieving tax collector, his life is totally transformed. He ends up giving away much of his wealth, giving back to people he's cheated way over what he cheated them of in the first place. This man has totally changed. How did that happen? Well, what we don't read in the Bible is that Jesus sat down with him and pointed out all his sins and pointed out all his faults and showed him where he'd gone wrong. We don't get any of that. What we do read is every account Jesus noticed him, Jesus talked to him, Jesus respected him and obeyed him as a human being and came into his home. And because he encountered Jesus like that, God's face was created and his heart changed. Jesus is a master at stepping into God's face. And we can follow his footsteps. Jesus told the story of um, the lost sheep. Remember the sheep got lost and the shepherd goes out of his way to look for the sheep that was lost and and didn't stop looking until he found him. And Jesus told a story of the lost coin. A woman lost one of ten valuable coins. It added a lot to her. She cleaned the whole house until she found the lost coin. And then Jesus told the story of the lost son, who basically just pushed away his parents and pushed away his dad and said, well, I just wanted my own life. Went off and did his own thing. When he realised he was lost, he came running home. And rather than finding judgment, rather than finding criticism, rather than being pushed away, he finds a God, a Father who loves him. Why did Jesus tell those three stories about something that got lost and something that lost, got lost that was so valuable that it meant that there was an all-out search or there was a hunger to see what was lost restored? Why did Jesus do that? Because he was telling us that people matter to God. That people notice the one that's missing. That God cares about that. That when you come into church and you may be coming by yourself wondering, is there more? God notices you. 
He loves you. He notices you. Jesus always modeled the fact, and this is the reason he told this story, because he wanted us to know. In our everyday life, we don't bump into anyone that God doesn't notice and God doesn't value. And he wants us to have his eyes that notice. That we don't overlook anyone that we come across. Because everyone is made in the image of God. Everyone is of value. Yes, we've all messed up. But Jesus came to restore us. And that's why Jesus noticed people. <laughs> I love that this was quite a fun exercise. A few years back, we did a bit of an outreach week. We were training a group of young people as to how outreach. We had various um, activities uh, lined up. And on one day, we were just going to start them off easy. We were just going to leaflet drop. No communication, just easy leaflet drop. Put them in the mailbox and stuff like that. But it rained on that day, it's provincial rain. So we thought, what do we do? What do we do? So what do we do? We said, okay, what we're going to do, we're going to go into the mall, but you're not allowed to talk to anyone. Don't try and talk to anyone, don't try and share your faith, don't try and pray, just notice people. Don't gawk at people, for goodness sake, don't go weird, but walk through and notice. Ask God to give you his heart and eyes, notice people, but don't say anything. When they came back, we had a bit of a debrief part of the time, I said, how did you get on? They, their eyes lit up. They were like, oh, we saw this person here, and I felt that God, I felt I had a word for them, but you told us not to say anything. So <coughs> you know, and, and someone else said, I, I saw someone else, I felt such compassion for them, I want to go and pray for them. Well, I just felt God's heart. They were saying, they started to notice what the fun thing was is they couldn't wait out to go out until next time because they thought, well, now we know, we hear God and we notice people. We want to go and share God's love with people. By the end of the week, they were bouncing off walls trying to get out and share God's love with people. It was just wonderful to see. But it started with notice people. Slow down enough to notice people. Paul says this, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. I wonder what he meant. I think one of the things he meant was we learn, learn to notice people and recognise people as God recognises them and sees them. We see the value that God has placed on them, that every human being is made for this relationship with God. Everyone is made for that. Everyone is made for that connection where there's nothing that blocks it away. Jesus came to remove the blockage so that we can have that connection. That's God's heart. I love the story of Roby, who uh, she shared with us one day. She was in a supermarket, and she was at the checkout, and she noticed that the girl who was serving her, it was middle of winter, she didn't have one of the, the, the corporate jerseys on. And she said, aren't you cold? You know, why have you not got a jersey on? And the girl says, I can't afford it. As Roby left the store, she felt the Holy Spirit say to her, Get the money out and return to the store and give it to her. She took it with a little bit of Spanish, you know, just explain God's love. This comes from generous heart. This is what happened to me, and this is what I felt God say to you. But this is, here's the money so you can get the Jesus. What was Rodin doing? She was noticing her way into God's place. She was saying, here's an opportunity where little old me can help a total stranger. 
Okay, so I'll talk on your behalf, mate, and you can tell me afterwards whether I got permission or not. You know, we went down to Christchurch the other week with the youth and just to meet with the church camp. You know, we're going through security at the airport. And uh, I glance around and Lee has followed a lady through who has a bandaged leg. And true to form, what you expect coming next is that he engages her in a conversation. Five minutes later, I sort of look across and we're all gathered around here and Lee's over there sitting down with this lady, talking with her, showing interest in her. He noticed something and looked for an opportunity uh, to bless her. He ends up praying for her. Apparently the story goes that the pain in her leg, I don't know what the injury was, was her power seven. They pray and he does and presses and prays and wants to see the whole thing go because that's what Jesus did. And so anyway, after prayer, it gets down to three. And uh, that's the way I think the story ends, although Lee was uh, being very honest. I love this honesty. I love your honesty, mate. The way you just said to the lady, I'm so sorry that uh, we didn't get that fully healed. She what? You're ridiculous. I was at seven. Now I'm at three. <laughs> Now, I love the persistence of Lee, but I'm telling the story because he noticed his way into God's place. And that woman, though not fully healed, encountered something of the power of God and the love of God. Because they met one of his children in obedience just stepping out. Noticing our way into God's space. Let's move on. Uh, secondly, listening your way into God's space. Right from an early age, Jesus learned the secret of listening first. And um, I love it, you know, it's illustrated when he was 12 years old, when he got lost in Jerusalem and his parents couldn't find him, you know the story, I won't put in all the blanks, but they found him in the temple and what is he doing there? They find him uh, sitting with the teachers, listening to him, asking them questions. He was demonstrating humility, Listening is humility. Good listening is being humble. It's taking time to listen, not to jump in with the answers. As Jesus grew up, you knew that listening was a real important thing to him. You remember that time when he said that, um, I only do what I see the Father doing, and I only speak what I hear the Father saying. And he said, I can't do anything unless I get that. Unless I see that, unless I hear that. He was a great at listening. So I really believe that when Jesus walked into Jericho on that day when he saw Zacchaeus, you know the times when Jesus said, um, or said that Jesus went to the to so early in the morning that place of solitude and like, I think he was listening to his father. I think he was saying, okay, Dad, where are we going to start? I think it was on that morning we went to Jericho that the father did that third Jesus had that sense of he was always, his life was slow enough and yes he was busy but he was slow enough to hear and respond and in learning to be able to listen when he meets the blind man again in cold listening you know, if you and I had a blind man in the street bang, the enthusiastic one was can I pray for you? what did Jesus do? do for you. I mean, what sensitivity. He waited to listen to see where the man felt his needs was. 
Now on that day, the man was going, I want to see. But it's interesting that Jesus listened first. Listens to his father, listens to people. He doesn't jump in with the answer, you know. <laughs> he could jump in and assume, I'm the answer, I'm the cure. He didn't do that, no, humbly he comes, how can I help you? Is there something I can help you with today? Listening, really key, really key. Paul tells us to keep in step with the Spirit. I think one of the things he's saying is go at the Spirit's pace. Listen to him. Learn to hear what he's saying. What does spirit live listening look like? Well, it's humility. It's being ready to learn, ready to serve. Not ready to come in with your faith, your agenda. It's listening. It's how can I love you. You see, it creates space for people to open up and be real about where they are, rather than you assuming where they are. It's saying, I respect you, I value you. What's your agenda today? Listening gives that opportunity that we can serve people that way. I love we were down the, um, the market just before Christmas and um, this Maori couple um, were walking past and the guy, I can't remember what his t-shirt said, it said something like, um, no apologies, I've just got out of bed or something like that. It was just something like So immediately I thought, I said, hey, look, would you like one of the coffees? We're giving away. Look what you can do with the coffee. You know, and um, had a bit of a laugh and stuff like that. And then um, they were just got into conversation. And most of what I did was just listen to their story. Listen to disappointments. Listen to how they really had a heart for God but had been out of the wilderness for quite a while. And listen to them. And as the conversation went on, man, I don't know how long we were there, just the connection. And uh, I said, listen, can I pray for you? And I was so open. Right in the middle of the market, right in the middle of where people come through, we're just stopped. And we're praying. The presence of God comes. You see, listening, listening to people, it created God's place. Suddenly there was a moment where it's like, God's here. We're in the middle of the market. This is crazy, but this is so natural and real. And it was like they hugged me afterwards. It was just such a moment of God's face. All because I'd noticed I'd listened. I wasn't going down the tech list. First thing you've got to notice. I was, it's just, it's, it's trying to learn to. Learn to listen. It creates God's space. Alpha's a great space where, as a team, we learn to listen. We listen to people's questions, people's objections. We listen to their starting points. That's why Alpha is such a good place for people to come on their journey of faith and come to Jesus. Because it's not random people, but there's an opportunity for people to be listened to. They're valued. That's what we do. Okay, so that's listening uh, your way into God's space. Third one, wondering your way into God's space. Wondering your way. Jesus often asked people questions. He wondered his way into place into conversations, you know, finding out where people are at. It's, I mean, you think of Jesus, what our thing would be so back to is Jesus is the answer. <clears throat> Jesus doesn't come and say, I'm the answer. He comes with the question. Because he is so committed to finding out what's inside of us. He wants to find out where we're at. He wants to uh, help us find the answer. So Jesus asks questions. Because to him, questions are more important than answers. He could have been the one that said, I'm the answer, I'm the answer. 
Interesting, one time when Jesus was with his disciples, he said, listen, I want to know, I'm wondering, what did the crowd say about me? What's everyone's opinion of me? I just want to know what, what's the story out there. And they told him, well, some people say, yeah, this prophet or that prophet, something. And then Jesus said, well, what I'm really wondering is, where are you at? Who do you say that I am? What, what, what's your opinion of me? Do you know who I am? Uh, what do you think? You see, Jesus is there. Not, it, he knows the answers, but he's not giving the answers. He's asking questions. He's wondering his way into bringing people in on questions because he wants them to find out the answers. You know the story of the uh, Good Samaritan? What's the context of that story? Well, a guy comes bounding up to Jesus and says to him, uh, Master, can you, can you tell us how to receive eternal life? Interesting, Jesus' response. He says, well, what do you think? I wonder, what do you think? Where are you at all? Where's your starting point? And the guy says, well, my understanding of reading the Old Testament is love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbour as yourself. And Jesus says, you are so spot on. Actually, you're detecting this right. Then the man comes up and asks another question, but who is my neighbour? Now Jesus takes a little while to uh, get to the point of the question. He says, let me tell you a story. So he says, there was uh, a priest, a temple assistant, and a Samaritan. Now, it's a bit like some of those jokes that start up certainly where I came, part of where I came from was, you know, there was an Englishman, there was an Irishman, and there was a Scotsman. And everyone goes, blah, 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 blah. they know that the Irishman's going to be the butt of the joke. And uh, so Jesus says, there was uh, a priest, and a, a temple assistant, and a Samaritan. Everyone's like, it's not the butt of a joke. They know that Samaritan's the bad guy. The Samaritan is the misfit. He's not pure cut, he's half cut. He's kind of like, ah, wish they didn't live around here. This is embarrassing. They're a bit of an embarrassment. They spoke different. They looked different. They couldn't sort of trace their fucking papa. They were a mixed breed. So Jesus starts the story. It's just like there was a guy walking down the road. Uh, he gets attacked by robbers left for dead. And uh, so he's down by the road. And then along comes a priest. Everyone here is pricked up. The priest is with Jesus, right? He says, no, he just walks on by. And then he said, then a temple assistant came. And uh, he stepped over the other side of the road and walked on by. Then the Samaritan came along. And everyone's like, I'll repeat him up. Jesus said, well, the Samaritan came up and knelt down on the guy and bathed his wounds and took care of him and took him to a hospital where he could recover and then went to the reception of the hospital and said, I'll, I'll settle up now and when I come by this way, I'll stop by and if it's cost you more to get this guy recovered, I'll cover him with the bills. And then Jesus turns around, I'm wondering, in that story I told, who do you think was the neighbour? smart and thought he got the answer to right to the first question about love and Lord your God with all your heart and your neighbour as yourself. He thought, I am a man. Something wrong. Uh, I've got to get over this deep hatred and judgement of people who I think aren't going to be the good guy in this world. And Jesus wanders his way into them. He asks, what's in your heart? He creates an opportunity for God to 
See, questions, as I say, are more important than the answers because it actually helps people themselves to dig out and find the answers. So spirit-led wondering looks like it flowed out of natural conversation. It's open-ended questions. It's digging to try and understand people's worldview and where they're coming from. That's what it looks like. There's a neighbour that um, we built a relationship with over a while, and one conversation talked about his daughter being christened or baptised. And it was one of those things that was just a bit of information that was going on. I went away wondering, does that mean that you've got a personal faith? Or is this just a family pressure thing that we all do this? And so I was wondering that inside and praying for an opportunity. And so another conversation down the line, I can't remember how we got in, but I just said, look, I'm wondering, you know, when you said you were getting your daughter christened, what I'm wondering is, is that because, uh, is that a family thing that your family just do? That's something you do? Uh, is it something cultural for you? Or is it a matter of personal faith? What I was looking to do was wondering my way into digging deeper into spiritual faith. And uh, I'm still praying for further opportunities to create God's space through wondering. Alfred, again, great opportunity. I love it when people come with where they're at. And our heart behind our questions is wanting people to find the answers. So when they present their answer or their questions, you ask, from what what's, help us understand, what's behind your question? What? What's brought you to that conclusion where you're at so far? What brought you to that place? Because if they can see what's brought them to that place, maybe they're ready to step onto another place. If we just come in with the answer, it's like, no, that's wrong. This is people aren't valued. And I love the way that when people um, get again on our front, I won't be specific with examples, but when someone has said honestly where they're at and they're wanting. Uh, to know God, but they feel this blockage. When we get together at the end of the evening and we pray and we minister to each other, we're praying for him, we're praying for this and that and the other. Even if the person hasn't asked for prayer, we just say, look, can you pray for me? Because you were talking about this. I'd love to pray for you. And it's often been a case where, because we've noticed, because we've listened, because we've wondered, because we've shown value to them, the next natural step is for us to try and minister to them. And God's face is created as tears trickle down the face. As they're just like, oh my gosh, someone cares for me. Maybe God cares for me. See, it's wondering, noticing, it's all these things to look to step into God's face. Final thing I want to come to is uh, serving your way into God's face. Uh, Jesus, it's recorded in Acts that Jesus went around doing good. It was good news wherever he went. He went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Jesus always seemed to be looking for his way, a way of, how can I help this situation? How can I serve people? That's what he always seemed to do. If there were sick people around, he offered to heal them. So when he, you know, when he goes to Peter's house, he's ready, his radar's up. Can I serve in any way? The mother-in-law is not well. So Jesus immediately heals her. He's looking for ways to save, uh, to, to save and to heal. He's looking for ways to serve. Why? 
Because by serving, he can bring people into space, God's space. That evening, as it happens, the whole village seems to pray around. Anyone who was sick gathered at the house because they heard the story of the God who cares. Why was it? Because Jesus stepped out to serve. He served his way. When the paralyzed man came, uh, well, he was brought by his friends. Remember the one that opened up the hole in the roof and the man is laid down. But the first thing that Jesus says to the man, which is interesting, he wouldn't go to heal him. In this particular story, he discerns this guy just feels wrapped with guilt. He feels that he's not worthy. I don't know whether he felt he was ill because he sinned. I don't know what is, where he was at in terms of that. But Jesus just thought, this guy is really with guilt. And so he says to him, son, I'm only out to you before. You're forgiven. I mean, of course, whoever runs in the room, you think to him, well, how dare you forgive him? You know, but he was bringing the story of forgiveness to that guy. The next part of the story is that he heals the guy as well. Jesus is there serving to our deepest need. See, Jesus knew his purpose in life was not to be served, but to serve and lay down his life. And you get that all the time. Jesus, he's never living for his own agenda. He's always looking for serving, loving, healing, including, drawing people. He's looking for others all the time. He's serving, serving, serving. I love the song we started off with. Well, hands and feet. We're going to be his hands and feet for the world. Absolutely. We're going to serve our way into God's space. Because that's what our, our Lord and Masters did. That's what he did all the time. He just served and served and laid down his life so that we could have that a revelation of God's love. Ultimately, the way Jesus laid down his life was not just using all his life's um, breath just to serve others. He literally laid down his life on the cross. He did that for the benefit of others. Everything Jesus did for the benefit of others, for the benefit of others. He gave his life for you and me. He gave his life to serve us. <coughs> Listen, if you are here today and you, you think, well, I don't know about me, if you knew about me, you would put me on the edge and you'd exclude me. I can't be included in this. Listen, all I can say is Jesus always, always, always included everybody in his invitation. He always looked to the one on the edge, the one who felt that they were the worst off or the least deserving of any of God's favour. And he always showered mercy on them and said, I come for you. At one time he says, it's not those who think they're good enough. I came for those who thought they were rotten to the core. You don't go to the doctor unless you're sick, unless you feel in need. He said, I came for you to draw you so that you could find forgiveness, so that you could find restoration. This is the message of the God of love. This is who Jesus modeled. So whenever we serve people, people had this God encounter. This is a God who cares for me. And now we are the ones who carry that serving heart to our community. Tomahunga is so that we carry God's heart. Not only as we sing worship, you know, as Claire summed up, we receive his love, but no, we not just, we receive his absolutely, it's not that alone, we give away his love. Tomatunga is about giving away his love, looking for ways to notice people, to include people, to listen to them, to value them, looking for ways to serve them. It's about catching God's heart, because it's all about a little tagline on that brochure that's naturally missionary. We don't want to suddenly 
crank into missional gear and go all oh, in. We want to naturally carry in our heart God's love that we can share to the world around us. Amen? Let's stand now, shall we? Thank you. 